Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at StDDNFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I've got me old buddy. <laughs> me old pal. It's at IT Hedgehog. It's Peter Jones is on the podcast. Uh, Peter, how are you? And also, um, commiserations, I guess. This is a pretty sad podcast to be doing. It's a celebration, I guess. Like, you're always here. but And we knew this day was coming, but it's here now with the passing of Barrett Star. And yeah, it's pretty tragic, right? Yeah, I, I'm 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 doing okay, Steve. It's um like you say, I think it's a, you know it's a somber day in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and 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 for all Packers fans, and I think for all football fans, uh, judging from you know some of the tributes and things that have, that have come out in the last the last day or so since the sad news came through, I think that you know um, Bart Starr was um, very highly thought of throughout the whole football world, and and I was just reading just before we came on air. Um, something from Fran Tarkenton, you know, the, yeah. the Vikings quarterback. He wrote some fantastic words about Bart Starr. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad day, but also I think a day to, to also c- celebrate Bart. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're going to try to do in the podcast. It's going to be largely, it's going to be all Bart Starr actually. I don't think we'll get into any sort of Packers news and all the rest. This really does outshadow um, everything. Now, uh, Peter, you are, uh, you know, at the forefront in my mind, anyway, of you know holding the key, let's say, on this side of the um, Atlantic. For you are the UK's version of uh, Cliff Crystal, right? Um, <laughs> that's you, me. Uh, well, who knows? So the thing is, is that I, I find you know as much me and you love history. I guess that's what we have um, a lot in common, and we spend our time sort of waxing lyrical on and off the podcast um, about history podcast, and again. Uh, what we'll be doing going forward is going to be sort of throwing in a bit of history, maybe, you know, nearly in every podcast and then doing dedicated podcasts to it too. Um, and your great idea of like, you know, just picking a season, any season, pick a season, any season and just delving <laughs> in and, uh, you know, looking at the the story. There's always something to do with uh, pro football, especially the Packers, some stories in the background, uh, which is really exciting. But I found this, Peter, for Bart Starr. First off, when you try to put anybody's life um, and sum it up, it's, it's offensive. It's offensive. You know, like, it's it's very difficult. And, uh, like, we were kind of joking before the podcast that, you know, if you were to put my life into a Wikipedia article, it's one of those red ones. You know, the ones that you click on is, like, not enough information to even be a person. <laughs> it's kind of like, Stephen worked here, did this, then he died. You know, and it's just kind of like, would you, do you have any more information on this? Nobody, you know. So that's kind of the way it is. So when you look at a player as as in-depth as, as Bart Starr. And I'm a big fan of, of biographies and autobiographies and all the rest. And I'm in the middle of an Oscar Wilde one by Matthew Sturges at the minute, and it's 900 pages, right? And, it you know, even then it's very hard because you're biased and you're looking back, you know, in hindsight and trying to add value to stuff that he did prior. So this is going to be a very difficult podcast, right? But I guess what we're going to try to do here is to look at him as a player, first and foremost, as a man, to get past the narrative, which we will inevitably discuss it, uh, the ice bowl and all the rest. But what I, I think does a disservice to Bart is, uh, or mis- I heard, a, a, I've been watching interviews and stuff on him, and one of the guys calls him Mr. Star, yeah. and typical Bart Star fashion. No, 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 call me Bart. So we'll call him Bart. Um, the thing about Bart is, is that 
there's so much more to him than the ice bowl or from you know laughing going back to the field which is a delightful interview that they did yep. with him and we will talk about it but we're going to try add color to him right and really delve into kind of a, a guy who seems like a simple character but really there's an awful lot of complexity behind him and an awful lot of reasons why he succeeded or failed as a player and succeeded or failed as a coach um and really the one place that we I don't know. I'll just pause that thought there and and just get your sort of overarching, over summary thought of how difficult it is to do a podcast on on a guy and squeeze it all in. I guess almost almost impossible. And 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 I think we have you know we accept that that starting to, starting to do this, there'll be things that that you know the even even key key parts of his life of his career that 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 we'll miss because you can't fit it all into a you know a forty five or an hour hour podcast and um y- you know it, it it we're just going to do the best that the best that we can and do our little bit to pay to pay tribute um try and understand why you know why he was such a great player and and, and such a great man and we'll just cover what we can and and and, and accept that <laughs> that we won't be perfect and there'll be things that 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 for whatever reason we unfortunately miss or have to gloss over through time or whatever else. And we just do the best that we can to, um, to, to, to on a, on a bar with, you know, just with the understanding that there will be things that we just, just don't have the time to cover. Yeah. And I guess we should probably start at, you know, we could do a chronological and go from the very start to the end, but the place that, people really know Bart from as, as as a player now there's people out there who remember Bart as a coach um and th- again I think me and you went down a rabbit hole with this and the research and we're kind of looking at it and going through it and going well you know he didn't get on this year too well because of this reason but maybe we'll we can certainly get into it but we're going to leave that maybe to a different podcast and not get too granular with it uh, maybe and just look at the man himself Peter the guy was uh, a revelation and I think the thing that people often see with Bart Starr is that he was overshadowed now I, we're going to try to start from him as a player but I think an important thing to understand about Bart as a man was and everybody knows that he was just a super nice guy always humble I've never heard him swear curse um, in an interview no one's alluded to it as far as I know um, so he seems like a guy who just didn't do it. A real Alabama boy. But to Bart for me, and this is what kind of sums him up, I guess, as a player, and what confuses me about his legacy to a degree and what adds to the confusion with me, um, and I, I'm interested to know your thoughts on it was, it's like he's overshadowed all the time. He was a, a giant amongst men, but he was a super humble, nice guy. Um, and in fact, people worried about him that way. He, the stories of his and his father kind of did that to him too, right? You know, military yeah. man. Yeah. There was there was talk about his dad always saying to him that he needed to be tougher. A quote from Lombardi was that he thought he was, and this is a quote, too polite and maybe just a little bit too self-effacing to be the real bold, tough quarterback that a quarterback must be in the National Football League, unquote. So even Lombardi himself, even though he picked him as his quarterback when he came in, um, off an atrocious season. The season before Bart had actually went 0-6-1. and one. Um, in that season so he sort of added to it so he's kind of let off the hook to a degree by some people saying oh well you know he was playing a bit part role he did but also didn't do too well on that team a team that Lombardi just took jiggled around a little bit but basically had those starters um, and made a team out of so Bart is always outdone Peter isn't by by Vince Lombardi being the bigger character but and like what you uh, said before maybe on social media maybe just to me I can't even remember now at this stage but Bart called the plays yeah 
So he was the architect of their success. So is it confusing to you or how would you summarize it to sort of see is that Bart, he's seen as a giant, but also forgotten. People sort of see him as not a great passer in a league that wasn't really, you know, pass heavy and was, you know, like what is his legacy? So I think that's the thing. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, a completely different, a different era. Mm. And, you know, the, the Packers, yeah, everybody thinks of, 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 you know, the Packers of the sixties and, and immediately if you, if you think of the offense, you think of, you know, the, the Packers sweep, the Lombardi sweep, the running game, Jimmy Taylor and, and, and Paul Horning. And I think it's easy to forget, or at least to look back now for those of us that weren't there through that era i think it's very very easy to to look at the film if you like of, of bart star and, and see his very accurate passer but doesn't quite have the arm perhaps not the not the outgoing charisma of a some of the guys that we see today or even perhaps a, a johnny unitas from 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 back then so i think yeah. that his personality and character his graciousness, his humbleness probably does him a disservice when we look at him as a player. Mm. Um, and his, his record as a player speaks, speaks for itself. And, and, you, and you're quite right when you raise the thing about him, him calling his plays, as all of the quarterbacks did back then. Um, but it's very much an extension of, of what Lombardi wanted. Um, so... Yeah, I think I think that probably best describes it. You know, is an extension of Lombardi on the on on the field, albeit a completely different personality. Mm. One thing that I think, because of the the graciousness and the way that he carried himself, I, I, and I guess this was Lombardi's fear when 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 he came in in '59 and 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 even 1960, and even probably early into '61, was that that. He was um, he wasn't a hundred percent certain about Bart's self confidence and his ability to be to be tough, particularly with you know his own players in the huddle and and and, and things like that. And I think that people, because of his graciousness and, and and all of those great personal qualities, I don't think people realise quite how how tough Bart Starr was, both physically and mentally. Um, I remember, a, um, and I'm jumping about a bit here, but I remember a, an interview that I saw with Zeke Bratkowski. So Zeke was, you know, the backup quarterback for a lot of the 19, 1960s. And, and they were talking about, um, you know, the Packers being in third and short plays and, and fourth and short plays and, and Lombardi's on the sideline speaking to Zeke. So I wonder what Bart's going to call it, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you always expect to call some kind of short yardage run in those plays. And, and, and Zeke would turn to Vince and say, you can bet he's going to throw it, coach. Yeah. And, and you know, and Bart completed more third and one, third and short passes, fourth and one, fourth and short passes than probably any other quarterback in that, in, in that time. You know, and, and Zeke said, you know, it was, that Bart was the most humble, gracious guy that you could ever come across. But out on the field, he'd, he'd rip your heart out and show it to you. And he was that t he was that tough. 
And I think that we kind of miss that. And, and, and we also look at the whole, the whole of the Lombardi teams where, you know, you've got the, I think it's 12 Hall of Fame players plus Lombardi himself. So it's easy to get caught up in um, looking at those teams and, you, and you're looking at Horning and Taylor and you're looking at Jerry Kramer and you're looking at Forrest Gregg and, and, the, and Willie Davis and, and Henry Jordan and Ray Nitschke and Dave Robinson. And the names just come and come and come. And so I guess when you're one of 12 or 13, it, it you're perceived stature, I guess, can be somewhat diluted. Um, so I think that's kind of what's probably happened, particularly in our era around around Bart Starr, but it, but, it, but it shouldn't be. You know, if you can quarterback a team to five NFL championships, you'll be nine on one in the, in, in, in the postseason, having lost your first postseason game, winning the next, the next nine. You know, you only have to look at those numbers. You look at his postseason passer rating, which you mentioned on the pre-pod, Steve. You know, it's still the highest passer rating postseason in NFL history. Yeah, amazing. And, and, we, and we're talking about a guy that finished playing 48 years ago. Um, and we know that, you know, the passer ratings back then, the, you know, the average passer rating in 1970 was 65. And now the average now is in the 90s. So... You know, if you multiply that passer rating by half as much again, that's how you get the real comparison of how great that playoff performance was. And yeah, again, you touched on it in the in 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 the pre 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 prod. It's it's one thing to be to be great during the regular season, which you you know which you have to be to get into the postseason, but to play your best in the postseason, when the championships are on the line, mm. that really is the true measure of a great player. Yeah, and when we looked at the, you know, the all-time team, Bart Starr was in there as number one just because of how he performed in the clutch. Yeah. Um, you know, his his durability would agree. Now, you know, he had those issues with his throwing arm late in his career, but he was supposed to retire in 1968. Yeah. But because of the sort of, you know, the... I guess uncertainty as to who was going to take over after Bart when he left. He didn't want to leave the team in the lurch. Again, super nice guy. And also with head coach as well. They wanted to get the head coach kind of nailed down. But like you say, and even that one playoff game that he lost um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, 17-14. Yeah. Lost by three points, which is which is sick. And that kind of sums up Bart Starr's career also, right? He loses the head coaching job because of a last-minute field goal by <laughs> Chicago. So it comes down to sort of very small measures with him. Um, yeah, he's like... I guess we can go through his accolades. So Packers quarterback from 56 to 71. Um, they three-peated uh, 65 to 67. He was the MVP of the first two Super Bowls. Super Bowl one and two. Uh, nominated to four Pro Bowls. Gave the Corvette, in fact, that he won for the MVP of Super Bowl two to his charity. Again, just showing what a nice guy he was. Um, the Rawhide Ranch um, in Wisconsin yeah. for, you know, underprivileged and sort of at-risk youth. He gives his Corvette to them, wins the thing and just gives it away. Fantastic. Uh, league MVP in 1966, Pro Football Hall of Famer and Packers Hall of Famer in 1977. And again, this all starts to tie into itself. Just when he mentioned Zeke there uh, being the backup. So it's amazing that people forget how people had to play both sides of the ball back then and Bart himself was a quarterback of safety and a punter he was the second best punter in college uh, one year I can't remember the year um, and he was only behind Zeke, Zeke. Uh, Brakowski yeah. Yeah. yeah so it goes to show it all comes back around so Ferris Gregg also uh, drafted in the same year as 
as Bart Starr ended up taking over after Bart Starr uh, with the head coaching and job. Yeah, and that's and it's it's sadly ironic, of course, that we lost Forrest Gregg just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that tie in there, like you say, same same draft, nineteen fifty six, and he he followed Bart as Packers as Packers head coach. Yeah. Number fifteen jersey retires, uh, but and this is the thing as well, the Bart Star Award, which is given every year to an NFL player of outstanding character, because that's just the type of dude he was. But yeah. um, and then there's more accolades. So maybe I should get these uh, accolades out of the way. Highest postseason passer rating, NFL history, one hundred four point eight. Which, as you say, I mean, if the average is sixty, the one hundred four point eight, Peter, yeah. is just out of this world, nine and one. Um, he had the best career completion percentage when he left the NFL in 72, the second best pattern of passer rating only behind Otto Graham um, and the, the franchise record for games played as well with 196. Um, he shouldn't have been, and as well as that, I guess we should have, uh, we should look at where he was drafted, right? 17th round draft pick, <laughs> Peter, in 1956. Yeah. So that's when the, yeah, so that's when the, um, the draft was 30 rounds. Back, back, back then. Now, of course, there were um, only twelve per round. Twelve 13, teams, 12 per I guess, round, but yeah. back back then, but mm. still, still thirty rounds. And um, yeah, seventeenth round draft pick. He was the the tenth quarterback taken in that in that in that draft. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of a bit of a story there. That um, so one of the most the uh, highly gifted personnel guys that the Packers have ever had was a guy by the name of Jack Venisi. Mm. And Jack died very young, I think in nineteen sixty. Yeah. Really unfortunate. Was, uh, he, was, yeah. his, was he in his thirties or yeah, I think he was yeah. thir- like thirty two. Yeah. Um, um but 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 you know Jack scouted all of those guys from the from the fifties. So you know Bart Starr and Forrest Gregg and Paul Horning and, and mm. Ron Kramer and all of those Jerry Kramer and all of those guys that they drafted then. Um, but Jack was friends of the, with the guy that was, um, the head basketball coach at the university of Alabama, which was where Bart was at school. And, um, it was, it was apparently that as the story goes, if you can believe it, that, that it was the, it was the head coach, the head basketball coach at Alabama that, that said to Jack, you need to take a closer look at this guy. He hasn't played very much in college. I think. Mm. He played, um, I think, mostly in his sophomore year. I think in yeah. in, in college before he had injuries and and, and other stuff. Um, they said, you, you know, you really need to take a close close look at this guy, and that's probably the reason uh, that the Packers ended up taking him in the in the seventeenth round. And and you have to think that back then, by the time you got to the seventeenth round and so on and so forth, those were almost throwaway picks. You would think, yeah. you know, because we because we half think that these days with the sixth and seventh round picks so by the time they were getting to the 17th and, and beyond back there so yeah I mean he could easily have ended up you know anywhere anywhere else or not draft or not drafted at all and 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 clearly from uh, Bart's point of view that the Vince coming in 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 uh, 59 was mm. probably the key to his whole career and what always strikes me with back then as well was is not only is he a 17 round draft pick, but the money looking at it now, now, maybe it's not in sporting terms, but to where the NFL was. And I think Bart Starr himself had a massive part to play in the popularity of the game because we saw that the Super Bowl one and two and the earlier Super Bowls were taped over. 
Yep. Like a VHS, like your mother <laughs> taping over with Dancing with the Stars. You know, like that's what they, that, that's how it was seen back then. But he was still given uh, six and a half grand, which is about 60 grand in today's money. Um, and he wanted an upfront of, of a grand. Um, and, and funny you mentioned that he didn't play an awful lot in college. So he didn't play in his junior year. He was just kind of a relief. Uh, so for more, he was the starting quarterback safety and punter. Um, great punting average. And again, it was he was in college when he eloped, and this is this is just a heartbreaking story. Um, that Cherry Morton, his wife, they were high school sweethearts, and in fact, where he chose to go to college was because he wanted to be beside Cherry. So he wanted to go to the imagine this uh, as well, Peter Bear Bryant. He could have ended up at Bear Bryant in the University of Kentucky, uh, decides against it and goes to the University of Alabama because Cherry was going to go to Auburn, so he wanted to be close to her. They ended up eloping and getting married in 1954. Now, he was fantastic in high school. Uh, wanted to quit but his dad said to him if you quit you're coming into the business with me or gave him some sort of an ultimatum and he said all right screw it i'll go back again and he led him to an undefeated season in high school so he was sort of highly touted could have went off and worked under bear bryant which would have been fascinating to see how his career ended up now and again a kind of a contradiction in terms to bart Starr, who uh ended up going to to college university uh didn't play junior year played in his sophomore year, then got injured in a hazing ceremony. <laughs> Bart Starr, <laughs> you know, and it just seems like how did he just not speak up while they were trashing him? You know, a back injury, and he said that he got a punting or, um, or whatever. So he didn't play that way. So again, you know, wasn't highly touted coming in. But if we look at that 1956 draft, it's pretty fast. And now he was 200th overall, so 17th round makes it seem like. He was the thousandth person to be selected when really, as you said, 30 rounds, 360 players. So the Packers round one, Jack Loesch. Round two, Forrest Gregg. And here he is again, uh, you know, being drafted in the second round. Uh, Bob Skoronsky, um gets drafted in the fifth round again, a name that Jerry Kramer mentions a lot in uh, Instant Replay. Uh, Fuzzy Thurston, in fact, goes in 1956, but not to the Packers, to the Eagles instead. Willie Davis, who you mentioned yeah. earlier, he goes to Cleveland in the yeah. 15th round. So again, you know, diamonds can be certainly picked up and Bart Starr gets selected, as you say, um, by Jack Venezia, who brings him in. But he's not seen as the starter, right? He comes in and sort of sits behind Tobin Rote, um, splits time with Bay Perilli. Uh, Bay Perilli, again, I don't know why. I remember reading about him recently as well. Maybe it was an article or something they, they mentioned Bay Perilli and sort of how amazing he was and how accurate he was maybe you were talking about him too um, but his career only really kicks in in 1959 as you say when Vince Lombardi comes in um, yeah so just th- th- that's the thing there's just so much to it and there's so much behind yeah. it uh, really and really there's a life of tragedy too doesn't he uh, Pete between his dad his brother um, and again his own personal circumstances that should yeah. have made him be a tougher harder nastier type of guy but he just wasn't yeah, and 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 yeah, he just you know, um, almost as close to the perfect gentleman as you could, you you could you could you could want for. I think the, the you know there are there are there are two guys from that era that, that that you look on similarly as those kind of guys. The the other one is Raymond Berry, the wide receiver of the Colts, um, and everybody called him Raymond. Um, and 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 Bart and Bart Starr and um, but I think that you know mentioned 1960 in that championship game that the only one that they the only one that they lost I guess 1960 was really the turning point and the point where Vince began to believe in in Bart in that year um, 
and and then into you know into into 61 when the Packers did win the win the championship and they that was um, they beat the Giants in the championship game. I think yeah. that's the thir- 37 zip yeah, champion, sure championship amazing, game. Right? Yeah, um, and then of course in 62 um, they beat the Giants again in the championship game and that 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 62 Packers team that went 13 and one mm. um, is regarded by many as possibly the greatest single season Packers team of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, you might want to throw in the 1929 team into that. So I'm really putting on my history, <laughs> history hat there. 12 and um, zip. But um, yeah, the only unbeaten Packers team. Um, but you know, that 1962 team is certainly regarded as potentially the greatest Packers mm. team of, of all time. So, you know, at that point, the Packers have been to three straight championship games, lost the first one, the next two, and of course, we're looking forward to to potentially doing the three in the row, which had never been done since the championship game had been instituted. Only the the Packers of 29, 30, 31 had ever done three in a row, and that was when it was done on league standings. And um, but yeah, um, that was a long way of saying yeah. By 1960, 61, I think I think Vince had become convinced that that. Bart was there not just physically as a, as a as a quarterback, but mentally tough and able to to in essence be Lombardi's leader on the field. Yeah, and I know there's stories out there that people have heard time and time again, but we I guess we do a disservice not to mention them because there are some people who just don't get involved in the history. You know, have never been exposed. But we have new fans as well. Um, so you know, there's these stories of Bart Starr getting chewed out by Lombardi on the practice field and uh, uh, you know Starr pulls him up in his office and says you know don't talk to me like that again because the lads won't respect me and he yep. doesn't you know and then they asked Starr about it and he was kind of playing it down like oh you know we had a conversation it wasn't a big deal but Jerry Kramer is the one who comes out and says no no it was a big deal of course it was yeah. because only Starr could get away with saying that Lombardi wouldn't have kowtowed to him now from looking into Lombardi um, Lombardi did do this with a number of players where he would, you know, sort of roll back on stuff and try pull people out of retirement and kind of try schmooze them a little bit. Um, but whether that was, I don't think that was a contract. Lombardi was just a, a fantastic man manager, um, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, no, I think I think that's exactly it. And and you know, we we in this day and age, we like to think of you know what everybody needs to be treated the same and equally and and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And and, and those are wonderful, you know wonderful things to have but 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 actually when it comes to man management everybody isn't the same no you know the things that motivate me or get me going are not going to be the same things that motivate you steve and and you know different methods work for different people because the players are people they're all individuals some with big egos some with small egos some with you know the slightest thing would get them downcast or whatever it might be. So yeah, absolutely. You know, Lombardi was a fantastic, fantastic man manager, which is the reason I believe and and and, and many other observers believe that, that he could have coached in any era. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I think in all fairness, as much as we hate to <laughs> to, to 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 think of it this way, Bill Belichick is is somewhat the same. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. You know, and you have, and you have to be. You have to have that level of continued success. Uh, you know, you you have to be. And I, and I think that, you know, Lombardi was clearly able to 
get the best out of out of the players around him, and in, in particular Bart Starr. And he had to get the best out of Bart Starr. He had to get, you know, he had to have a one of the top quarterbacks in the league to have that level of success. And Peter, when you look at Bart Starr as a quarterback, then because if we to again, and it's very poor, I guess, to distill it down to such a simplistic manner but I'm going to give it a bash anyway if you look at his his career so high school you know didn't want to do it ended up doing it because his dad forced him and he goes and does it goes undefeated does really really well he's all state all American in his senior year he gets the scholarship to college which is why he eloped with Cherry in 54 didn't tell them because your scholarship would be rescinded if they found out that you were married because they thought that if you got married, you weren't really arsed about playing football anymore. You were going to be a family man, have kids and just go away anyway. So what's the point in pumping the money into you? So he goes to college. Um, he's a relief in junior, plays his sophomore year. Um, can't really play between injuries and all the rest. Gets drafted late as a quarterback, goes in. So how much of his career as a quarterback... now? Again, it's kind of maybe this is a silly question and people are screaming at the podcast now because when we look at, you know, the amount of Pro Bowls, the MVP, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jersey retirements, he's a really high passer rating um, in the in the postseason and regular season. Career per- percentage completion was fantastic. But as a whole, I mean, looking at him, how much do you think he does attribute Vince Lombardi to his success? Because when we look at the time before Lombardi, again, it was kind of going the way college went for him Lombardi comes in and really marshals the whole thing then Phil Bankston comes in Lombardi gets his office soundproofed because Lombardi's going crazy you know Dan Devine or Dan Devine whatever you want to call him uh, comes in now albeit at very latter stages and we look at Bart Starr suffering injuries and all the rest um, after that and he just can't recapture the glory um, of all of that stuff is it too complex i guess that you know you have a roster that disintegrates lombardi comes along at the right time as the right man manager um if you try can we in fact isolate bart star at all as a quarterback outside of all of this and look at his talent and his skill um or is he just really a product of the era and of the personnel around him? um I don't, I don't think he's a product of the of the era i think that it's like um Lots of partnerships and or jigsaw puzzles. You have to have all of all of the pieces that fit together. Mm. Uh, and I think that um, you know Vince was a Vince was able to get all of those pieces. And even if they didn't quite fit together, he molded them to fit to fit to fit together. Um, but I think it, I think it's unfair. It's unfair on any of those players to say that they were just simply a product of of Lombardi. Lombardi yeah, obviously was absolutely exceptional. And, and, he, and he proved that when he came out of um, retirement in inverted commas and went to the Redskins and, and led them to their first winning season in I don't know how many years. Um, but, you know, each, each of those, each of those players had a lot, had a lot of talent. Um, and I guess that, that, that most of them are probably just missing one thing, and it would be a, probably a different one thing for each of those players. So, 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 so perhaps in in Bart's case, it was a lack of self confidence, and um, you know Vince was able to instill that into him and encourage him, and it didn't come overnight. Um, but you know, it took two or th- two or three years. Um, but you know, I think that if you, if you look at 
Bart Starr as a passer. And, and you, you mentioned it earlier that by the time it got to 68, you know, his arm was pretty much gone. He'd taken, you know, it played in the league for 13 years by the time we got to 19, 1968. Yeah. One of the criticisms, it's probably too strong a word, but it's similar to what we have today with Aaron Rodgers. One of the things that was always noted about Bart Starr was that some of the linemen felt that he hung onto the ball too much. Yeah too long mm. um, and so took sacks that other quarterbacks didn't necessarily take and if you look at some of the numbers you know there were a number of games that, that Bart Starr was sacked eight nine ten I think in that loss the one loss they had in 1962 um, Thanksgiving against the Lions he was sacked 14 times or 17 times some ridiculous number I can't remember <laughs> off the off the yeah. top of my head and even in the ice bowl which I know we'll touch on in, in, in a while he was sacked eight or nine times in, the, in, that, in that game. So I think one of the, the, the things, he, he definitely held on to the ball longer, but he was, he was safe with the football in, in throwing. Very accurate, very accurate thrower. Um, very good ball handler, so great on play action and, and that type of thing, which has obviously helped when you had a great, great running game. Um, but great ball handler, good arm, better arm than people... Than people think for um but not not a united sign or, or a i guess roman gabriel probably is probably the best arm of the, of the of the 60s but but a good but a good enough arm to get the job done um great play caller so i think one of the things that you have to be able to do back then when you when you're calling calling those plays is you, you almost have to put part of your own ego to one side yeah so you know accept the fact that the we're probably going to run the ball 65% of the time as opposed to, you know, throwing it 35% of the time. And that's quite a difficult thing for a quarterback to do when he's calling those plays, not to call his own number all the time. So um, good from that point of view, very safe with the football. Um, you know, his interception rate was, was, was low. And he, you know, I've seen him um, in one of, one of the two books, two or three books that, he's been involved in writing where he talked about, you know, he would sometimes as quarterbacks do, but, you know, deliberately throw the ball low. He said, it might not get completed, but it won't get intercepted. Yeah. You know, and his interception rate was very, was very low, even back in those days. So, so I think that there were a lot of playing skills that he had, but it's like lots of these things, Steve, I think it's, being it's horses for courses being around at the right time you know it, it the, the, the puzzle fitting together i mean how many times do we see you know in this day and age where somebody's a fantastic player and they move somewhere else as a free agent and for whatever reason it doesn't work out yeah you know they don't suddenly become a bad player overnight it's it, it's 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 you know it's about the the whole the whole jigsaw and um you know being able to to work with that yeah, and it's the same for any sport, really, but it's certainly why I like NFL. And when anybody asks me, but why American football? It's, you know, especially especially in Ireland, too, because we have GAA over here. You know, there's hurling and Gaelic. Yeah. Um, they're probably the number one sports. And then probably English football. Um, and, you know, it goes down the pecking order. So when it comes to American football, they're like, why? And it really is, the complexity is is huge. But for a man like Bart Starr to be so humble and i kind of almost wished he was more of a rah-rah guy and more of a kind of a joe namath style because <laughs> and in fact they had them on a panel before and 
Bart Starr looked super healthy. And I think, who was he talking about? Maybe the death of Otto Graham? It did just, just yeah. polar opposites when you look at how they, they handle their career in themselves. Name it in his tights, womanizing on Bart Starr back with his high school sweetheart um, and all the rest. But again, how he ended up like that, who knows? I come from sort of a military background. Um, you know, it was really survival of the fittest, I guess, in my family. You wouldn't want to have a, a thin skin because you'd get skinned alive, you know, and that's from the really like the, I have so many stories, uh, but that's in the, you know, Steve's personal, personal childhood story podcast. All good, by the way. I'm not talking about like, oh, we didn't have enough to eat and we'd fight for scraps and it was Oliver Twist. None of that. We were so the whole family was hard as nails. Uh, so, you know, with his dad being like that and kind of chewing him out and, you know, there's all of this talk about his dad tried to give him a mean streak. You know, he tried to make him tougher. Now, I can associate with that, I guess, because, you know, there's fathers all over the country where if their son has been bullied or, you know, he does something silly. Like, for instance, I, right, I won't get into stories, but, you know, there's, there's all these stories about your dad going, like, just punch him in the head with it. You know, it's all the stuff about when you get bullied and you're supposed to say, oh, sticks and stones may break, but really it's just like, just give him a good box in the head, you know what I mean? And how proud you'd feel about someone standing up to someone. You know, I grew up playing football and it was always kind of like, you had to be tough on the soccer pitch, you can't sort of let the lad you know, beat the lard of you out in the pitch, you need to stand up to him and, and get a dig in, you know, it was all that kind of stuff about being tough, and that's what he grew up in, yet he still remained humble, his younger brother Bubba died of tetanus, you yeah. know, um, his dad went off to fight in the war and kind of left him and his his mother and his, and his you know, his brother and all that stuff at home um, in 1942, you know, and I mean, he, what was he, nine years of age when his dad left for the war, you know, and and being tough anyway, being a military man, you know, his younger brother dies, so uh, in 1946. So Bart is only 12 years of age at the time his younger brother dies. Like, how do you process that at that sort of really formative age? Um, and not to sort of jump around too much, but, you know, further on then, he actually loses a son. And to yeah. someone that's sort of clean cut and polished shoes and laced up shoes and, you know, church going guy, his son dies of a drug overdose. He was He had a cocaine addiction. Um, I think it was 1984, Pete, was it, uh, that he ended up dying? And Bart himself found him. He flew up to Florida um, yeah. and his son had been dead a couple of days, went in and found yeah. him dead. So, I mean, yeah. my God, he had every right to be, you know, a right B, <laughs> but he wasn't. He was yeah. still a nice guy. Yeah, I think I think that his um, mental toughness and that came came out on the, on, on the field. Mm. You know, I think that, he was one of those guys that really grew into the into the role on the field that he that he that he had, and um, yeah, I mean, all the stories about his graciousness and humbleness. Mm. Um, everybody that 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 met him has those has those same stories, but out but out but out on the field, he was as tough as they came. And as well as that, and not to, and again, it's kind of maybe in you know. 40 years time someone saying as Donald Trump said right I'm going to rip off some of a Richard Nixon quote that he said um, at a testimonial to Bart Starr um, in the Brown County Veterans Memorial Arena and you know he honours him and says that he was a great professional and all the rest but he talks about technical skill and his leadership qualities and all the rest and there was I think there was a rumour around at the time that he was going to ask Bart Starr to join him in politics to a degree i can't remember what the position was or why it's just one of these things that are floating in the back of my head uh you know but even richard nixon the president comes out and talks you know waxes lyrical about how great he was and he even says uh that in the 60s 
in the decade that football became the number one sport in America and the Packers the number one team, that Bart Starr was the number one Packer, um, which was a great sort of indictment of who he was. And, you know, Bart Starr had an awful lot to do because they kept waxing the Giants all the time and the Giants was the biggest <laughs> sporting market. That really did put the NFL on the map, Peter, didn't it? I mean, he was, he was kind of the darling of the New York sports journalists. Yeah, it really, it really did. I mean, it was the whole era when, you know, the NFL was really taking off to be the modern game as we understand it today. There's the whole television era, you know, really from, you know, they talk about the greatest game ever played, the 58 championship game from then onwards. Um, you know, that whole era of the, of the, of the 60s um, TV era and everything, you know, the, the Packers were the team of that era when the whole thing was really taking off to be, nationally huge and and i guess that with all that was going on in in a without getting too much into the social demographics and stuff <laughs> but there was a lot going on in america in in the world but you know particularly in america in the in the, in the 60s and and what have you and vietnam war and, and, and all kinds of all kinds of things i think that you know that, that those packer teams kind of personified in some way what america wanted to be um you know and um i get that that sounds grandiose but i think but i think it's probably true when it comes to a sporting context it 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 was you know they kind of stood for everything that was right um they won the right way you know they were they were tough but they won through hard work and second effort and, and 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 all of those things, and I think that meant a lot in the era in which it was in which it happened. A small town underdog too, right? I mean, this yeah, is a tiny absolutely. town that comes through, led by a guy who was, and again in the sixties, you know, I mean, all of the stuff that was gone the swing in sixties, and then you have a guy who's you know been married since he was about you know early twenties, twenty four, let's say. Um, to his childhood sweetheart. This was the story they wanted to go to, you know, um, which is which is fascinating, uh, really. But I guess, so I, I guess just to talk about kind of the nice guy he was and, and how far back that that goes, you know, we talk about his dad wanting him to have that mean streak to be tougher. You know, he founds the Rawhide Boys Ranch in 1965. Um, he's involved with the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation, starting that with Cherry and continued the activism for that. That started in 1971, yeah. You know, he he has the Star Children's Fund for Pediatric Cancer. Um, so he's always kind of put his face out there for good causes and always sort of honoured um, that all the way up until really, really recently. I think, you know, the what was it, the late... Anyway, we won't get into data in that regard. But if I can pull back to a point that you said, uh, Peter, is that you talk about Bart Starr's mental toughness um, and the type of guy that he was. And we see everybody coming out saying that yes he was a good leader we see Vince Lombardi paying attention to him and um, him having the humbleness and like you say swallowing the pride to call the right place at the right time how come all of that concocted together didn't enable Barr to have a better coaching career than he did in Green Bay so I think that so when so when he retired in 71 uh, 70, I guess training camp 72 because he was hoping to play the 72 season but I think he got to camp and, and just felt that he didn't have it anymore and retired in, in, during training camp. Um, 
he spent that year, 72, as the Packers quarterback coach. And Dan Devine asked him to head that up. And, I, and, I, and from, all, from all accounts, he did a pretty good job with Scott Hunter, who was yeah. the Packers quarterback then, who was also from the University of Alabama. Um, 10 and 4 and 72. What a record. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and that 72 team was, uh, I guess, the exception to the Packers of the 70s and, and, and 80s, pretty much. It yeah. was, um, you know, they're they very, very successful off the back of an outstanding running game at John Brockington and, and the MacArthur Lane. Um, when he became head, so, so when Dan Devine was fired and resigned, at the end of 19, <laughs> 1974, which is a whole story in, its, uh, in itself. But, uh, uh, Bart, was, Bart was offered the job at the end of 74, so, so for the 75 season. Mm. And, of course, he had just that one year as being a quarterback's coach for the Packers. That was the, the, the sole extent of his coaching experience. And not only was he given the head coaching job, he was also given the general manager's job. So all of a sudden, you, you, in essence, giving giving um, a guy with no experience in either of those roles the two biggest the two biggest roles that the the ball club's got, and cu- coupled with with those those two things were Dan Devine, as we mentioned, as the coach prior to Bart Starr. Dan Devine had done some odd things in building his roster, should we say. So he traded away lots of draft picks um, for quarterbacks who didn't work out, um, namely John Hadle and Jim Delgazo and, and, and other guys. And what it meant was that, that when Bart Starr came in, he came into a roster that was somewhat depleted and didn't have, you know, young players who were coming through who were going to be your your starters for the next five or ten years. So, so so by the time when Bart became head coach in 75 as his first season, it wasn't a great-looking Packers roster. Yeah. Coupled with that, as we said, with Bart's own inexperience in coaching and, 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 and as a general manager, it was a very almost an impossible position at that point. And it's it's kind of sad that by the time Bart was fired at the end of the 83 season, he was he was probably 10 times the coach he was mm. when he got the job. Yeah. So so you know th- there was stuff at the end of that 83 season which they could have done they could have done better. Um but you know, I think that Lots of circumstances conspired against him, not least his own inexperience in the two key roles that he was given. Yeah, and again, this is kind of what we talk about as well, right? When we look at the Packers and people give out about them being too conservative and all the rest. And part of that's to do with the fact that, you know, we don't have a rich owner that's going to bankroll stuff and, and put the ship right, is that we have to depend on sound financial management which is the most unsexiest thing ever um is to talk about well we need some sound financial planning um and you know and then we look at uh Gudekunst getting the role and then the role being split and people say oh that's a real power move by murphy and then you know we have the packers top brass talking about the history and what's better for the team when you look at certain occasions like this where you're given the head coaching role and the general manager's role and it doesn't go so well I mean, 
you know, we can be short-sighted too and sort of go, oh, well, this is why he's doing that. But when you look back in Packers history, there's an awful lot of safeguards in place and an awful lot of evidence to show that some stuff works where other stuff doesn't. And putting in a sort of an inexperienced general manager is one thing, but having a guy, as you say, who's, you know, he's coming in, he's a quarterback coach for a year. And, you know, I see quotes online as to their, you know, their safety and their corroboration, who knows, but saying that, you know, he was going around doing tours and he was, you know, doing lectures or whatever. And, and he did admit that he was in over his head and all the rest. But it is a shame that at the very end, he was doing quite well, quite poor um, at the beginning. Um, but again, as you said, there was so many circumstances behind all that with Brockington and all the rest. But he, like they were one and eight, you know, preseason, uh, they, what did they do? They won two, lost four. Um, which is a pretty long preseason. So they won their first two. It looked really promising. And then they, then they lost the other one. Uh, one of them in overtime uh, to the Patriots. Tom Brady was probably playing back then. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, they start the season with four losses. They win one against the Cowboys, 19-17. I mean, you know, by two points, for God's sake, they lose the next four. And it's only then that they kind of, you know, win three of their next five, um, including the, you know, ending uh, the season against the Falcons with a 23-13 win. You know, they kind of, put a brave face on it to a degree but like you said there was an awful lot more in play there um and by the very end of it you know they get dumped out because the bears defeat us i think there was like 10 seconds left on the clock um and our defense our offense was unbelievable right and i mean this is something that you witnessed and what you fell in love with um but you know it all come down to the defense who still look at they they played well enough but they leaked at times that they really shouldn't have which gave us a you know 0.500 uh, record which just yeah. wasn't enough and he gets dumped out yeah, and, and and there were lots of those eight and eight seasons, or what mm. seemed like lots of those eight and eight seasons, both both with Bart Starr as coach and then and then Forrest Gregg who followed him, and and you're right. I mean, most of the time the offense was was hot and the and, and the defense was not so hot, um, but there were games when when the defense would be hot and then the offense would disappear. So it was. It was just total inconsist- inconsistency all all over the all over the place, and it and it wasn't helped by, you know, they traded they traded for Lynn Dickey in '76, so 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 Lynn Dickey was a good quarterback. Um, so they traded with the Oilers to get Lynn Dickey, but but he'd had a bad hip injury years before, and he was always Lynn, Lynn Dickey was nearly always injured, and um, he had a bad leg, leg break when I first started following the Packers. So, so, so 77 and he missed the 78 season. With David Whitehurst came in. Um, Dickey was a really good quarterback. And I, and I mean, really good. Um, you know, he, he was easily capable of leading the Packers to much better records and even close to, close to championships had they had better all round teams and had he been able to stay to stay fit but but he was injured injured a lot and but you're right about the offense you know with Dickey at quarterback um James Lofton was drafted in 78 um Paul Kaufman came in 78 as a free free, undrafted free agent Mm. but yeah so they had those they had the three the three backs and Gary Ellis um Eddie Lee Ivory and Jesse Clark and so Eddie Lee Ivory was the first round pick in 79 I want to say 78 79 um and he tore up his knee in his very first game against the Bears came back and tore it up again 
and he was never he was never the player that he that he, that he should have been. You know, there's a guy that averaged, I want to say, probably across his career, four and a half yards, four point six yards a carry, something like that. But again, was never fit. Um, so so I don't think that that Bart necessarily got the rubber to green in some of the the personnel stuff. Um, but also they struggled they struggled in in the draft as well. You know, in, in '81 they picked. Rich Campbell, who was quarterback out of California. Yeah. Now we like close quarterbacks out of California, but this one wasn't wasn't quite. That's a story in itself as well, isn't it? It's, it's a story. Thing. It's a yeah. story in itself, and and you know, in in in, so they picked Rich Campbell when everybody thought they were going to take Ronnie Lott. Yeah. And, and two years before that, they had multiple opportunities to draft Joe Montana. Um. And as, as you probably know, my my dear friend Red Cochran advised Bart Starr to take Joe Montana three times in that in that draft, and they didn't take him. And um, so it was kind of a mixture, Steve, of 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 bad luck, inexperience, and some personnel mistakes. But those personnel mistakes happen to every general manager. You know, it, it's it's I guess they they get glossed over when. When you get the rest of it right, and so you so in any way the, the the mistakes that you make kind of get glossed over. But so I think I think I think as a coach that 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 Bart was unlucky, um, and I and I also think that you know he was following in that in that era of everybody wanted him to be the next Lombardi, and he wasn't that personality. Yeah, completely different i guess but there, there, you know there was there is stories out there about what he was like as a coach but do you know what and they, this is the kind of this is the thing that we we hit up against when we were doing our research and all the rest and stuff that you probably know instinctively out of your head uh just like every season is a story and everything has certain circumstances that goes a certain way but you know to look at how close because bart star playing seems a world away for some people um you know, even Brett Favre to some people is a world away, but to sort of see how little coaches that we had in Green Bay, how close Bart Starr was, you know, Bart Starr after him comes in first, Greg, then Lindy Infante, and then we've Mike Holmgren. So like, it's not that far away, albeit, you know, they had, well, first Greg had about four or five years at the helm, the same for Lindy Infante. Um, so, you know, it's not that far away from the 90s and the success, you know? It, 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 it it isn't, and the 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 ironic thing about those about those coaches is that when Lom, when Lom, between Lombardi and Holmgren, every coach had a worse record than the guy before him. Yeah, you know, so they went from Lombardi to Bengston to Divine and Star and Greg and Infanti and so on. And yeah, it just I, I guess the the whole organisation. And I hate to say this because it's, it's it's a you got used to losing. Yeah, just just as organisations get used to winning and winning begats winning, I guess losing begat losing. Yeah, which is true. Yeah, and I mean we've seen so many stories about franchises that just have that losing culture because it's yeah. just it's kind of like man, like look at Italy in the rugby. I mean that's if there's a country that's just like yeah, well this is what we do, you know. And yeah. really, when you look at it, and it's, and it's amazing to see as well with the likes of golf, for instance. I mean, there's always those guys who are at the top. But it does come down to psychology and, you know, it's a bit silly, I guess, to talk about culture when it's only one person. But, you know, I was talking to a mate of mine who who plays with 
you know, I don't know. I always say a mate of mine. It always sounds like a like an urban legend, but I mean, he is he's a mate who's on the circuit, um, and he sort of says, you know, the margin between the top is very very small. You would not yeah. believe how close that you know Rory McIlroy could be beaten easily by a guy who's fighting for his card, you yeah. know, because it really just comes down. And then after that, it's just that extra edge of what you have, and that's certainly something that the Packers organization was missing, yeah. really since Lombardi left. Yeah, and and you know, conversely, that's clearly what Lombardi's Packers had, and 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 Bart Starr had in in abundance. Mm. And we touched on it. it's that it's that having that edge, having that ability to pull out that extra something when when you had to have it, you know. And and I saw an interview with 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 Bart Starr, and he was talking about I think he was talking about the ice bowl, but you know, he was saying that. You know, anybody can be good or be great when there's nothing at stake. But you put the real measure of a player and of a team is doing it when you have to win. And and I think that's really true. I think and I think that's what separated those Packers teams of the sixties and and, and and Bart Starr in particular from the other teams and the and the other and the other, most of the other quarterbacks. You know, it, um, you only have to look at how close some of those games were. You look at the ice bowl. I mean, you know, but in if you look at the 66 championship game against the Cowboys, Bart threw four touchdown passes in in that game, then followed by Super Bowl one. You know, and then in 67, he was the MVP in Super Bowl two. So he played his big games when they really counted. And of course, the Ice Bowl preceding Super Bowl two, you know, the we all talk about, you know, the, the most famous play probably in the history of the Packers, you know, Bart Starr's one yard, six inch sneak to win <laughs> the Ice Bowl. And, yeah. um, you know, the famous, famous photo there, him lying on top of Jerry Kramer and Ken Bowman and, um, but what, and that probably is that, you know, it's the most famous play clearly that Bart would have been involved, would have been involved in, cause it's probably the most famous play in Packers history. But, but what's really interesting about that whole thing is, you know, that the Packers had hardly moved the ball at all in the second half and the second half of that game. And, you know, they got down to the last, the last drive with four or five minutes left to play and they were at their own 32 yard line and that 68 yard drive that Bart Starr called and engineered is probably one of the greatest single drives in the history of the NFL yeah because that gets forgotten Peter doesn't it I mean people just see that one play they don't see the stellar start the the fact that the defense were getting really annoyed with the offense because they just couldn't get it going and then they all of a sudden get it going from nowhere from no from absolutely nowhere and you've got to remember you know the 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 temperatures at some ridiculous, you know, minus 15 with a wind chill of minus 50 or whatever it is at this point. And, and the whole, the whole, you know, the Vince's, Vince's, you know, under, under soil electric blankets failed and the whole, <laughs> the whole field's just like a skating rink. Yeah. And somehow this is a team that hasn't been able to move the ball for the last 35 minutes or so of the game, you know, going back towards the end of the first half. And here they are. They have. They've got to do it now, 
and there's four minutes or so left in the game at their own 32-yard line. They've not moved the ball for the whole of the half. And what do they do? Stubb calls the perfect drive. Mm. And and even in that drive, you know, he got sacked and they were at third and 18. He still called the perfect play and picked out picked out guys that you wouldn't have expected. Donnie Anderson and Chuck Messine in that drive. Mm. And, you know, and Starr completed all of his passes in, in that drive, five or six out of six, five out of five, I believe, and drove them down the field. Um, and there's a famous quote, that, that Ray Nitschke came out to the offense before they were about to start that drive. Don't let me down. Don't <laughs> let me down. And I think that'd be enough to scare anybody. Oh yeah. You're going, <laughs> you're going flawless after that point. Just out of fear. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's one of the greatest drives in, in NFL history under the circumstances in which it was made and not forgetting that the third straight NFL championship was on the line. Um, and there's a play that's, forgotten in that so the Packers got down to the to the Cowboys 11 yard line with just over a minute to play you know the, the and the field's tightened up obviously at this point there's no there's no there's no rush lanes there's no space to get your backs out to, to throw a pass and what have you and Bart Starr calls a play that they have that they put in weeks ago but never run <laughs> um the 54 give it's called and, and in essence what they did was they pulled the left guard Gail Gillingham um, they pulled him out and it took Bob Lilly, who was the, you know, the to be Hall of Fame um, Cowboys defensive tackle with him. And then and then Chuck Messine ran through that vacated lane all the way down to right to the goal line. Yeah. And that probably is probably the single biggest play of that whole drive. And it's obviously forgotten because of what followed. Um, but Starr just called the almost the perfect drive to win that championship. Yeah, I mean, and that's the real story of the ice ball as opposed to that one play, which was fantastic and not taken away from it. And yeah. to hear Jerry Kramer yeah. uh, speak of it is just mesmerizing each and every time. And we met Jerry and he's as mesmerizing in person <laughs> as he is on the video, even more so, I, I dare to say. Um, so, I don't know, I, I guess we could be talking all day. Um, so, to, to kind of round it off... Um, isn't it a testament, Peter, that we're doing a podcast that we don't have enough time? You know, this could be a 19-part mini-series on Bart Starr and his career and achievements and his ups and downs and highs and lows. The fact that we're talking about him at all, um, at our age, in our era, so long after. I mean, yeah. the guy was married for 60 years. There's, I've had family members who've died before that age and he's been married for it. You know, the fact that we're still talking about him goes to show what type of a legacy that he had uh, I, yeah and i think and i think it shows the legacy as a, as a as a player but as much as a as a person yeah because i don't think we'd be talking in in such revered terms if you like if if he wasn't the person that that he was and and you're right stevie it, it's you know we could talk for hours we could talk for days and still not do <laughs> do it to do, do bart complete complete justice which was why we kind of talked at the beginning and just said look we're going to do the best that we can and 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 appreciate there'll be things that we miss and we'll jump from here to there and whatever else but i, I hope that you know it, even in just this hour or so that we've we've got across kind of the essence of him as a person and the essence of of him as a player and and as and as and as a coach and and um you know it's it's the best that we can do to pay tribute
Yeah, and the you know it's one of those things as well as that he was eighty five, and you always get the thing off. Oh, well, he had a good run. You know, anytime you get over a certain age, people go, "Well, it was great." And I think to be eighty five and to be playing and and get punished back in that day with the lack of equipment, because yeah. you know we we sort of touched on it as well that the fact that he achieved what he achieved with such substandard boots, um, equipment. Helmets, the football in itself was like like a lead balloon. I mean, we've had quarterbacks nowadays being given one of these balls and have to try throw it with any accuracy whatsoever, and it is with hilarious results. So the fact that this guy had gone for so long with all of that, and it wasn't without incident and injury. So, you know, he had two strokes uh, as of late, and he had both types, if we can put them in that sort of, well, for me, I mean, that kind of dumbed-down um, you know, medical terminology. He had, you know, a lack of blood to the brain, uh, which caused a stroke, and then he had a brain hemorrhage, which was, you know, a leak. Um, he had a heart attack. Um, he broke his hip. He was suffering from seizures. Uh, you know, the the sort of things that happen to your brain when you get older, and um, with the likes of, I'm sure, memory loss and all the rest. Although any interview that I saw of me seemed really, really with it. But the the thing that really got to me, Peter, um, and again, I'm Irish, so. I don't have all that much emotion, so apart from anger. So the thing is, what really got to me and sort of caused me to weep on my couch, um, is the is the one with Brett Favre's jersey retirement. Um, so he'd had the stem cell treatment in yeah. Mexico at the yeah. time. He was he was yeah. rehabilitating and all the rest, and then they drove him out in a in a cart uh, to to Brett Favre. And the thing that got me more than anything else, the hug was heartbreaking. Um, but the thing that really got to me was is to hear his little voice, um, a voice that would have called all manners of plays and commanded all manners of respect over the years. And to hear that old man voice and he was kind of, you know, shouting as he was in the in the thing and the reception that he got as well. But to hear him shout with like, you know, come on, let's do this and coming out on the on the golf cart and to hear he's, he's just the voice at that stage was kind of withered and and small and to see him come out and all he wanted to do was embrace Brett Favre which he which he managed to do and the fact that Brett Favre's name is Brett Favre he's <laughs> Brett and that was the son that he lost at 24 yeah. years of age is also names of Brett that can't have helped that can't have done anything else but stung I guess and the fact yeah. that he had such a great relationship with him and Aaron that really got me uh, right to my core I think in the end yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too embarrassed to say I shed a tear yesterday, and I don't really, I don't really know why. Yeah. You know, this, 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 this you know, we, we grew up four thousand miles away from where all of this was happening, and, 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 and I don't, you know, I don't know why. I guess that um. You, you almost felt that despite all of his health difficulties, and and and, and a really you know bad difficulties in the last few few years that that he would go on forever and be that link to that era forever um and we know that that's not that's not possible but it's but it, it just it just it just felt that way and um it's very it's it's you know it's very it's very it's very sad but it's also um it's it's only right that we we all should celebrate you know, one of the greatest, certainly one of the greatest Green, Green Bay Packers ever. And that's why Jerry Kramer is such a gift, you know, and the fact that he was able to speak and be the voice of Vince Lombardi from back in that era and give us so yeah. much information and is continuing to do so. 
I mean, what a superstar. And, you know, we, we owe a great debt to him too to really bring this era alive and keep it um, in the in the forefront of all of our minds. And the thing is, is, it's like what you say, Peter. I think to everybody, including me and you, Bart Starr was always immortal, wasn't he? I mean, he was yeah. always that face, um, always that presence. And it just seemed like he would never go. And I don't yeah. think he ever will. You know, the jersey no. retired, the name on the stadium, the legacy that he left, uh, the literature that's behind, um, you know, the fairy tale of Vince Lombardi and his success. I just think Star will continue to live on. And that's why it feels so odd. And like what you say, I mean, even, you know, looking back in, and getting the numbers and the stats and getting my facts straight and the stories right, um, it, there was this, you know, American football shaped ball on my chest to have to go back and look at it and see Bart Starr was, yeah. you know. Um, it doesn't matter that he was 85 um, or that it was a lifetime or two, three lifetimes ago for some people. Um, yeah, and look, at, I guess, in memory to live on. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, 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 the people people who listen to this podcast in the, in, in the States who, who, who grew up in that era, who grew up in Green Bay and Wisconsin in the States in that era, and they'll be feeling it, you know, really hard right now. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I guess when you put it like that, it feels a bit silly for us to be sitting here on this side of the well, pond. But it just goes to show that the ripples are felt uh, much further away. Well, and I think it's I think it's exactly that. I think the very fact that that, that two guys are sitting here four thousand miles away that that you know didn't live through that 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 era. I think that just goes to show how the impact that that he had on on all of us yeah and i guess you know it's it's a shame to have to leave the po- the podcast here you know <laughs> you kind of want to probably work from this moment back and go back to the glory years but look uh, i mean a, a giant of a man without having to be the rara without having to be the guy who you know tries to you know side people down this is a guy who was just a gentleman on and off the field um, you know, since inception, I mean, since this guy was a wee boy, um, he always showed that he was humble. And although to a father back then that seems some sort of weakness, to Vince Lombardi that might have seemed initially as some sort of weakness that needed to be, you know, changed in a person. Really, he kept that and shone through and, you know, obviously was a fantastic husband. He kept his high school sweetheart, achieved so much. Um, and really gave back an awful lot. And it just goes to show you don't need to be the guy with barbs and spikes. And it just goes to show that this guy, um, you know, dear God, I mean, he lived his whole life. He never cracked once <laughs> to get to this point of, of 85 years of age. And um, what an achievement, something that yeah. I, I feel that not an awful lot of people will, will get to achieve what he did and to stay as humble and stay as great as he did. But uh, that's the man that is Bart Starr. I can't. I can't add to that, Steve. I just can't. Well, I guess Peter. Um, I guess we we leave it there for this week. The the next podcast will probably be a more upbeat one. Um, and just in the with the news that was. Um, unfortunately, that was it. So we we get back to guys. Um, about you know news and all the rest, and hopefully we'll be able to probably examine some of these seasons that involve Bart Starr, uh, front and center, and the strong, uh, vivacious, um, healthy young man that he was back then, and we can sort of see him in, in a better light. Um, I guess not that we didn't see him in a better light now but certainly sort of you know live the heyday uh, so from myself at Steedy the NFL give us a follow on Twitter um, at ITHedgehog uh, I 
strongly recommend you follow uh, Pete as well and of course check out Peter's latest article on the top 10 tight ends in Packers history on the blog at ukpackers.co.uk you can hit us up on any social media and again um, although it feels slightly out of place um, if you want to go and live some of those dreams over in Green Bay we have that group trip that are going over you can hit the website for that as well and it's all over our social media channels um, but again we lost a good one uh, but till next week guys it's goodbye from myself goodbye